0: When people are deal that they have that calling to something that's a little beyond them, yeah. and they're asking questions about it, like I, I think that that's half the battle. <laughs> they're asking yeah. questions. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the call with Osgoodness, he says that calling is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but also becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. And so there is this. Place where at times we will be called to do things that we aren't yet, but again, realizing because we're in partnership with God that He will form us into that when we need it.
1: Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Yousef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look. At the Christian faith. At some moment in your life, I bet you've wrestled with questions about your calling. Maybe you've wrestled multiple times over your calling, asking yourself questions like What did God create me to do? Which path should I pursue? Am I in the right place for God to use me? Is it time to make a move or a career change? These are important questions to. Prayerfully consider, and ones I have heard over and over again from people as I've pastored young adults. While thinking about this topic, our team knew we had to have Clay Kirkland back to talk about calling with us. Clay is a life coach with over 20 years of experience helping people uncover and unpack their unique God given strengths. He served for 18 years as the Director of Staff Development at the Wesley Foundation at the University of Georgia where he mentored and coached thousands of young adults. He has a Master's of Divinity from Asbury Theological Seminary and is a Gallup-certified strengths coach. I hope you are edified by our conversation today. Well, Clay Kirkland, uh, it's such a joy and a privilege to have you back again on Candid Conversations.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: This is is a real honor. (laughs) For anyone who missed uh, Clay's first interview with us, it was a conversation on anxiety. And uh, we highly recommend you go back and give that a listen. It's served very well. And we've heard a lot of great feedback from that conversation, Clay. And we we do appreciate you taking the time and to to have a, a different conversation with us. Sure. Well, today, Clay, we're talking about work and vocation, and calling. And you have served uh, for 19 years in ministry role, university ministry role. And I'm sure that this issue came up quite a number of times uh, with college students who are seeking what their next steps will be, what their future holds from a work perspective, and and possibly even from a, a missional perspective. How do I serve God and earn a living at the same time. So I wonder just to kind of launch us off, maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, and then maybe what are some of the questions that uh, that you were hearing from uh, university students uh, in your years of ministry there?
0: Sure. Well, again, thank you so much for, for having me. This is so fun, and I love this topic. Um, yeah. You're exactly right. This would be one of those topics that you would hear me say, um, if, if I had a dollar for every time, you know, dot, 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 yeah. and then yeah. you... you People say that all the time. This would be one of mine because within that time frame that I was in campus ministry, it was one of the two primary subjects. I used to tell people if they wanted to get into college ministry, I said, hey, you're going to need to be ready and equipped to answer two questions. What am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? And who am I supposed to do it with? So they want to know about their callings. They want to know about marriage. That was what we talked about <laughs> over and over. Right. And so, yes, definitely a subject that I had to talk about a lot. But honestly, a subject that I love talking about a lot, she'll sure. do. Right. Uh, currently, um, um, I have transitioned out of that role. Right. And past year and a half, have been doing uh, consulting and coaching. It was something I was already doing on the side for 12 years of those 19 years, but kind of pivoted that into a full-time position. So different space, but honestly, some of some very similar traits of both campus ministry and coaching and and consulting other people. Right. But yeah, the, the primary question really is, you know, what's my calling? That was the language that was often used in the setting that I was in. You kind of mentioned it earlier, but it was what about a job? How does that work with my calling? Um, does, is God pleased with quote unquote real jobs that my parents want me to get compared to these other jobs that I read about or see about or hear other people doing that are a little bit more Christian or a little bit more missional? Uh, those really kind of would start the wrestling process. But honestly, I'd say that the primary question is how do I figure it out? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, regardless of what it is, whether it's I'm called to be a teacher, I'm called to be a martyr, how do I figure that out? That's kind of where people would land if they right. if they didn't come out with it already.
1: Don't imagine there were a lot of people feeling called to be
0: martyrs. No. <laughs> well I did I run out honestly I ran into two. Um, that, that they really believe that. So we'll see, um, wow. if that was, if that was the thing, but I use that cause uh, I did have two of those conversations. Wow. Really? Uh, those 19 years. Yeah.
1: That's amazing.
0: Really did. But it was not obviously the popular choice and it was not the choice that, that parents were, were, uh, <laughs> signing their, their kids up for. for sure. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never heard that one That's yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah. So how do you start that conversation process? What does that look like? When you begin to break that down for someone, what are the things that you're walking them through? What are the things you're pointing them to help them formulate a foundation or a base uh, from which to start to look for these things?
0: Yeah, for sure. I honestly didn't find many college kids or young adults who had a great foundation in this subject. What I would find was either there was a lot of misinformation or there's just a lack of information, right? They yes. never really had anyone talk to them about it. So I was either having to start from a position of, hey, this is ground zero, or starting from the position of, hey, let's, let's maybe try to relearn some things. And yeah. one of the things that I would try to do, and it sounds strange because of the subject, but I would try to demystify it by taking some of the spookiness off of it, but then try to pull that back later into it still being a highly, highly, highly spiritual thing. So I would normally try to give them a different way to talk about it. So instead of they'd come in and say, well, let's talk about calling. I said, all right, let's move that into this idea of purpose, because that's really what they're asking for is, do I have purpose? And and what is it? And calling is so mysterious. And um, we read a few stories in the Bible and mm. see these just mystical, right. supernatural things. And then they hadn't had that or they or had my burning bush. That's right. Yeah. They've been waiting <laughs> on their burning bush. They've been waiting to be blinded by the light and right. nothing has happened. And so they feel stuck until, and so that was probably start that was, again, starting position normally is, all right, we're going to just talk, let's use purpose for the rest of the time. Then I would always try to move them into this idea of what I stole this, honestly, and I'm I'm giving credit. I'll give you credit for where where it comes from. It's from a book called The Call by Oz Guinness, which I would Mm -hmm. say is an anchor book for this subject. He said there's no call without a caller. And the primary calling then is to to know the caller before you understand and pursue what the caller is going to give you. And so it's just a reminder of them say, hey, you've got to drop your anchor here. And I know that you think that you have, I know that or or whatever it is, but let's make sure that you're not reorganizing the priority list in any way. And that that priority list is you were made for God. And he has created you for good works, right? Because everyone would come in knowing Ephesians two ten and say, "I'm created for these good works. What are they?" Like? <laughs> right. Let's first talk about the fact that you were created by God, and um, making sure that your identity in Christ is where you start from, mm-hmm. and that if anything else vies for that position, then you can easily get off track. So that was, mm-hmm. I'd say, that's where we would start.
1: You mentioned earlier that people were often starting from a position of misinformation. What were some of those misinformation perspectives that you saw the most?
0: An easy one would be that you either got a calling and that meant you were to be in ministry, or you didn't get a calling and that meant you were to be in a quote-unquote regular job. Right, right. That there's this you know the sacred secular divide, and Osgood actually spends a lot of time talking about this in the first third of his book, and gives you the church history behind it of just elevating ministry positions, and really just devaluing any other job or calling that you might have. So that was the primary one. My friend answered a, an altar call to be a missionary, and and I have been studying to be a science professor and I know that God is going to use my friend and maybe I can make enough money to support him. That's probably what my purpose is. Just that. And again, nothing wrong with supporting ministry, but just having that as the only thing that God had created that person to do through science teaching Mm -hmm. is to support um, missionaries or so on so forth. That would be the primary one that people would come into. The other one it was this one thing that was forever and would never change and would have to look a certain way for it to be real so i would talk to them a lot about seasons if you look in the bible there's seasons for every person there's seasons for jesus i mean it's no one was exempt from seasons and that idea of we're created for good works, there's a there's a reason that Paul pluralized that word that he used for works, because there's several things that you're going to do. And all of us, including Jesus, had things that we did that lasted a certain amount of time, and they had purpose in them and purpose for them. And sometimes they lasted a day, sometimes they lasted a year, sometimes they, they might last a lifetime, but not everything that you always will be quote unquote called to do Will last a lifetime. I, w- I would use the the metaphor of this idea that that when we find our purposes, they are to put God's goodness on display. And because again, this is this is about God. Ultimately, that's what we're doing is reflecting mm-hmm. God's goodness. And therefore, you're going to have multiple stages, like you know, again, metaphors, like the actual theater stages, to put God on display. And these gifts, these talents, these callings—all these things that, that are kind of on your in your toolkit. There's going to be different stages, and sometimes this talent's going to be on this stage, and other times this gift is going to be on that stage. But to not think of it as this one shot—that if you've heard it, you've passed it, and you, and and you're finished. And if you haven't, you're a failure until you've heard it, and so on and so forth. So it's that a little a little more of a broadening of their perspective instead of that too narrowly focused idea of this one shot time of a calling. When you
1: were kind of advising and consulting students, was it more in that general sense? I mean, I I think you said, you know, you had to kind of go back and get those foundations reset, which is a general understanding of who you are. And then would you transition to a more specific, you know, because people are saying, well, like you said hey maybe i've studied science where can i study science or what are you know opportunities that have uh, that i should be taking up especially when people are facing options you know there's multiple yeah. options out there would you kind of help people wade into those specific waters absolutely
0: yeah for sure the thing that i would probably say the most and this is just a little bit more of that foundational piece would be if you can think of your Calling is purpose and to pluralize that to really purposes. And, but then to think of every purpose that you've been created for is meant to be done in partnership with God. My Oldest son is 12 now, but when he was a year or so old, I was holding him and I opened the microwave and he stuck his arm out. And so I put his hand up against the microwave and I swung my body and his, you know, physics pushed that door closed through me but it was his arm and he he loved it and so we did it again we did it again we did it again right and for several months that was the thing that he enjoyed doing now fast forward to 3 days ago my youngest is now a year and a half old i opened our microwave which is lower now in our in our new house and she went and tried to push it closed you couldn't quite get it closed so i pushed mm-hmm the back of her hand. And she closed it. She thought that was great. Now, again, that was 11 years apart between the two. And honestly, what delighted me when my oldest son and I did that together because of the joy that he got, it delighted me when my youngest daughter and I did that same thing. And so it's this idea of we don't receive our calling from God to do it without God. We receive our callings from God, these purposes from God in order to do it with him because it's going to be better for us for sure, but it's what he delights in is being able to do it with us uh, because that's just how he set it up. He didn't have to – if he was really into efficiency, he would never would have done this, <laughs> but right. he's, he's a little bit that's more of right. a relationship uh, and partnership. Eliminate and the middle says, man. Yeah, it's relationship and partnership instead of efficiency. For God, and so if we have that mentality, then it's this idea of okay, this discovery process is is with Him and it's for Him, but it's also going to be together, um, mm. togetherness as we do this. So that's kind of that another foundational piece. But then people would all often say, well, all right, I've got options, or should I take this job, or should I take that job, or or whatever else would come in my office. And I again another one of these. If I had a dollar for every time, but I would say, all right, let's talk about the way that God communicates to us. Right. There's two primary ways he does it in the Bible yes. over and over and over and over and over again. He does it by way of revelation and he does it by way of wisdom. You can put any communication you see from God in one of those two camps. So the revelation one's easy. You see that when the burning bush comes, you see that when the heavens split open and the voice comes down. You see that with Paul and the blinded light. You just see those revelatory moments where god spoke and the thing about revelation is easy to detect right it's just those holy moments that we might have in our lives where god speaks very 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 clearly the intensity of it though is now it's a matter of obedience you either either obeying what he has told you or you're disobeying what he told you you know when you're when you're when you're about to do something really really bad. <laughs> like, you know, this is not Wait. what you're supposed to do. And just your your conscience is speaking directly, you know, God through your conscience yeah. is speaking directly. Yeah. Like it's, it's a matter of obedience at that point. Yeah. We might but, call that
1: illumination,
0: yeah, not absolutely. revelation. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's just direct, right? right? Then you've got this idea in the Bible where you see it over and over and over again, where people make decisions not by direct revelation or illumination from God. They make it through wisdom. So there's an entire series of books in the Bible that are dedicated to wisdom. Mm. You see one of the most critical decisions ever made in the New Testament, Acts 15, about the church and the direction it's going to go with Jews and Gentiles where their comments after weeks of deliberation and prayer and so on and so forth are, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Like they had determined through their wisdom that this was the right way to go. They did not have the skies open up. They did not have Jesus come down. This seemed good to them. And so, you know, at that point, it's what are your options and what seems to be the wisest choice? Here in this moment. You still make that choice with God because God is our source of wisdom. He's given us his word as a source of wisdom. So it's not one's with God, one's not. It's just there's one mode of communication in choice A and there's one mode of communication in choice B. And sometimes he goes with A and sometimes he goes with B.
1: For the person who kind of faces those and they, they feel like they're not getting an answer or clarity or or whatever it may be. And then there's the fear of the wrong choice. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've dealt with that. Yeah. How do you sort of counsel them to not be fearful of, of something like that?
0: I had a, a 12 feet of whiteboard in my office. And so I would, I'd say, all right, let's list, your, let's list your choices, right? Let's list <laughs> yeah. them out. And I'd say, okay, so which one of those are good choices or not bad choices? You know, I'd make them, i just just play a little game with them. And so yeah. out. So maybe it was go to this grad school or go to that grad school. It's like, do they have the program that you want? Do you have the funding for it? And so on and so forth. Was, All right. So which one of these All are right. good choices? They're like, well, I guess both of them are, are technically good choices. I just don't want to make the wrong one. But right. it's, it's pretty hard to make a wrong choice when you have two good choices. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's just that idea of let's first determine how we have labeled our choices as good or not good and, and so on and so forth because it doesn't mean that all choices are either going to have a right and a wrong there's just right. it just doesn't right. work that way um god is not out to catch us doing the right. wrong thing he's, he's not yeah. waiting behind the corner going i really hope they blow it this time because i cannot wait yeah. to rub it in their face remember <laughs> or this punish is punish them is, or something right. yeah this is partnership he is for you and so there is a lot of time that fear of making the wrong choice is not a fear that's inspired by God. Right. And so I would always challenge that wrong choice fear. And then honestly, this is just how I've come to understand God and and how he parents and shapes us and, and so on and so forth is that if God's the caller, then you're responsible for what you've been called to. And if God has, chosen in his infinite wisdom to not give you this direct revelation and chosen to communicate to you through wisdom, and he understands your level of understanding of the choices that you're having to make, then you're responsible for that level of revelation that he's given you, whether Mm -hmm. it's direct revelation or whether it's just seemingly these choices that you get to make, because there's not necessarily a wrong one. He's, just leading you through the the wisdom that you're using in this process. And he oftentimes in the new Testament talks about being our father and, 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 Hey, if you're a dad, would you do this to your kid? And if you're a dad, would you do this to your kid? And so if I were to tell you, Hey, Jonathan, guess what? My, My kid the other day, they did something. I forgot to tell them that that was wrong, but I just spanked the snot out of them and taught them a great lesson. You'd be very concerned with my parenting. We would be very concerned, right? You might, you might even call someone, say, "Hey, yeah, please are yeah. yeah. on their way, and check them out." Um, <laughs> we would never parent our children that way, and we would right. be offended if not um, fearful for the well-being of children who were mm. parented that way. Mm. And so, I can't imagine in God's infinite goodness as our heavenly Father that He would parent us in that same way. Mm. So, I just encourage them to say. Hey, if you've done your quote-unquote due diligence, right, you've mm-hmm. sought wise counsel, you have yeah. weighed the options, you've prayed, you've read, you've laid this before the Lord, then that is what you can control. And you have to trust that God's in this process, even though you can't necessarily see him in this process.
1: Mm. You know, I'm just thinking, this is such a, a modern concept, though, you know, most of us, we've been aware of, vocational options and opportunities and, and university options. And, and we've all had that, but that's, that's still a relatively new concept to the world. You know, most of the world functions based on, Hey, my dad was a a farmer and I'm going to go into that business. Uh, my family does fishing. And so that's just going to be what I'm going to do. That's kind of my quote unquote calling. How do you deal with sort of this, this, you know, as it is a modern concept, do you feel like maybe we have too many options at times? We have too many opportunities and we become overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly would have been easier when there weren't as many options. I tell people that all the time in the sense of if you can eliminate any options or if you try something and it doesn't work out or you get turned down, that's actually a blessing because now it's much easier because we are with options over and over and over again. Now that hasn't taken God by surprise, but it for sure, we're still trying to catch up to that idea of there's so many decisions to make. There's so many options that I can have for this job or for this school or for this transition. you know. And and then you just put that in every area of life, where you're gonna live, what kind of car you're gonna drive and, and you're trying to please God and all of this in the midst of this constant barrage of opportunity. It is a lot for sure. So the elimination of options, the narrowing of choices, the deadlines that we have are all gifts. <laughs> Honestly, right. I would you know, deadlines are fantastic. Like when they said, I have to decide by the 12th. I was like, that is wonderful. That's concrete. Yes, be right. very glad. And God knows mm-hmm. that you are on a calendar and therefore he's going to work with you within that time frame. Or do something beyond that that you can't even see yet. So like it's just reminding them again. And that's why we go back to that idea of your primary calling is to the caller in that you're not alone and realizing, Hey, this is God's involved. God's, and that's where I told you, uh, when we first started, try to demystify this and say, Hey, it's, it's not this spooky thing, but let's re-energize our understanding of how spiritual this is, meaning that God has created us for things and therefore it doesn't work without partnership with Him. And therefore God's with you. He wants to help you, but you've got to stay connected to Him and walk with Him in that.
1: I have this conversation with people sometimes and it's sort of, um, you know they want to be really good at what they do. And so they try a bunch of different things and they feel like, They're not very good at all those things. And so then they end up feeling like, well, I guess I'm not good at anything. And then there's sort of this hopelessness kind of sets in. How do you sort of walk someone through that and sort of uh, giving them a little bit more clear vision for perhaps what they may be getting called into?
0: Yeah, that really kind of pulls us into that idea of where do your talents and your gifts and your passion, how does that all work? So I definitely think that that's a part if we take the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, then, then we'll see that there's a lot of variety, right? If I, if I wanted to just pull out one verse, then I'd say, hey, you know, there was this time where, this, yeah. you know, Moses apparently had a heavy tongue, but he was called to be a, a great speaker for the nation. And so therefore, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter about your talents, but then right. we go to the next verse. It's and it's theology. The, yeah, it, it actually does. So it's, we don't want to, you know, Pigeonhole ourselves, but there is clear biblical evidence where God used people who had skills or had Mm -hmm. talents in certain areas. Exodus 31 is one of my favorite passages for this because it's talking about where the tabernacle is being built. And it says that God is speaking, he's saying he's filling them with his spirit to do this building. He says he fills yes. artists and, and yes. craftsmen, right. and and then he says that in the first part, and then you know God God wants to make things clear to us, so he oftentimes repeats things that he says in the same conversation. So the next little passage, if you were reading in your Bible, would be that he then fills gifted artists, so people yeah. who are already gifted. He wasn't filling them to make them gifted. Right, was, from
1: nothing, right.
0: That's right. He was filling them because they were gifted, and so to do the thing that they were gifted for, right? He he feels artists and craftsmen to do arts and crafts. I mean that's a novel concept, but that's mm. really what he did. Yeah. And so it's this idea of a a discovery process of understanding what you're passionate for, um, what you're gifted in, what really makes you come alive. There's you know, I think that's where some some modern technology or, or modern devices that we have as far as assessments and Programs and things like that and books are just great to help us think through those things and really consider it. Most of us, if we were to be honest with ourselves, are really good at discovering and determining and then reminding ourselves of what we're not great at. Most of us have that tension, right? We look at the mirror and you go, I wish that was different. I wish that was different. Uh we we look at other people and say, I wish I could do that, I wish I could do that. We usually compare and lose. And so in that regard, some of those devices that we have now or mechanisms that we have in place are really helpful because it just reminds us, hey, there's actually there's some great things about you. And it can just help us give us language for that. But but even more so I would say just to encourage people and because we're we're all in this process is if we're built for multiple things, if we're created for multiple things and God's in partnership with us, then he's not going to just tell you everything that you're ever supposed to do at one point in your life and then leave you like he's been some you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. So celestial talent agency, and he's just (laughs) dropping (laughs) something off. Right. And then you're done. It's going to come in time. So it's a discovery process Mm. and you're, you're going to be okay um, because God has a plan and Mm. he has purpose for you. And so if you don't know it yet, that's okay. We know this, right? When we look back, we can see how, what God was doing the whole time, but we didn't see it when we were in the moment. And um, you know, that's one thing I, when we were, I was preparing for this, I thought about my transition, right? From Mm. ministry to where I am now because I would say my quote-unquote call to ministry was a little bit more on the direct revelation, illumination side. Right. Um, it was clear and intense and honestly supernatural. It was just one of those things. It was great, and, and I was able to quote-unquote do that purpose for a long time, and it, and, it, and it went well. The transition to what I'm doing now was definitely – by way of wisdom, I'm just as secure in what I'm doing now as I was 20 years ago when I had this quote-unquote major call. And mm-hmm. so here's the process that I did. There's a verse, a proverb. I love Proverbs, right? That's yeah. a, they're just they're fantastic. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, the purposes of a man uh, and a man or, or a woman are, are like deep waters, but a man of understanding or a person of understanding can call them out. So I've always prayed that I would be that type of person for other people. But in this season of life, I needed people to be that for me. And I also read a book called Never uh, Eat Lunch Alone. And so those that verse and that book kind of mixed together. And I picked out several people, took them to breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee, and I said, "I'm going to tell you my story of what I've been doing, who I am, for about." 20 minutes. And then I'm going to ask you what you heard, what stuck out. And then I'm going to ask you who you know, uh, that I should know. Mm. And that was the process. I did that for about 12 to 15 people. And honestly, four people in a row said the exact same thing wow. about what they heard. I mean, yeah, they weren't my pastors. They were sure. just people that were, I would consider as wise people that, that uh, were doing things well. And they literally said the fourth thing, and I'm not kidding you, <laughs> the fifth person, when I was doing this after I realized, hey, the four people have said this in a row, the fifth person started to say exactly what the other four people had said. And I, I cut them off. I said, I think I know what you're about to say. And I, and I said it. he goes, yeah, how'd you know that? It's Like you're the fifth person in a row to say that. He was like, Well, why are you still asking? That's Other than a free meal. That's right. That's right. He said, Why are you still asking this question? So that was just complete wisdom. Again, no cloud in the sky or, or anything like that. But the peace that came with that was just as strong and just as special as the peace that I got when God really spoke to me clearly about going into campus ministry. Mm.
1: So. Well, let me ask you about that because um, you know there's so much to say about that unity and affirmation. I mean, do you feel like our churches these days do a good job of affirming people? um, Maybe as it relates to particularly a calling into ministry, um, but then even in in sort of general senses, or do you feel like we're? And I don't want this to be a leading question, but do you feel like we're uh, we're so individualistic? that we're not taking the time to build the relationships. So you may see a young man who's clearly serving well, has leadership giftings, but nobody goes up to him and, and affirms that in him and says, you know, have you ever considered going into ministry in any capacity?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is a massive need, I would say, in, in especially in the generation that exists today, the teens to early twenties, right. Or even up to 30 who longs for, whether they know it or not, and who really would benefit from the older generation, uh, speaking mm-hmm. that life and confirmation into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you see that in the Bible over and over and over again, just that, whether you call it discipleship or mentoring, or it doesn't matter what you call it. it what matters is that it's done. And I would say that it's probably the greatest honor that I had was mm-hmm. to have a platform to do that so easily. And honestly, my platform now is, yes, I, I do have a, people that I can encourage and, and highlight things that I see, is what you do as a coach and a consultant. But I'm getting to do that for my six kids right now. And that's my highest responsibility is that yeah. they're of that age uh, or starting to come into that age where they need to hear that from me. They need, they need to hear that from the people that we're doing life with. And it's such a powerful moment. I have, if you were to ask my story and we had time to tell it, you would hear that it's marked by people that said specific things to me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes challenging, sometimes very encouraging, sometimes very clear. But those are the pillars in my life where I, where God just helped say, this is an exit ramp for you. You need to get off here. You know, you're, you're traveling along, which is great, but you need to get off on this exit ramp because there's there's something for you here. And so as a church, for sure. And again, I'm you know, I'm, what, I showed my cards earlier and not I don't think that we should just affirm ministry callings, because I think all of us are meant to minister no matter what we do, um, whether you get paid for it or not. But regardless of that, we need to If we have the voice and if we have the ability to to look outside of ourselves, to yeah. look towards other people, and to call out that gold, that good, that fingerprint of God that we see. And we're not going to see everything. We're not supposed to. right? Paul is pretty clear on that, uh, which is fine. You don't have to see everything to see something. But what you see, then, is what you need to say. Yeah. If we can practice saying what we see, we would do right by so many people Mm.
1: and at the same time we need to have ears to hear when that comes our way i think sometimes we get caught up looking in the clouds waiting for a um you know some divine sign when when it's you know maybe the person in the pew who's saying something to us and we you know rather than just write it off uh, or ignore it we, we need to have an ear to hear that as well absolutely so we're talking about sort of you know god tends to work with our giftings and um perhaps our passions or desires or whatever, and he uses those most certainly. But sometimes God does call people out of their comfort zone into an area where they may not feel naturally gifted. How do you advise people on that And, and when they're saying, you know, why would God do something like this? And is this something that's really happening or am I just imagining it?
0: Yeah, it's great when people are feel that they have that calling to something that's a little beyond them. And they're asking questions about it. Like, I, I think that that's half the battle that they're asking yep. questions. Yep. One of my favorite quotes from The Call with Os Guinness, he says that calling is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but also becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. And that's good. so there is this place where at times we will be called to do things that we aren't yet. But again, realizing because we're in partnership with God that He will form us into that when we need it, and so I oftentimes wouldn't ask for them to look for and to determine if there's a place within them that they that I, they would describe as peace now that doesn't mean that there's there can't be logical fears or whatever else, but there's that's why you know the Bible talks about that peace that passes understanding, so there's yeah. You might understand that this is risky. You might understand that this is different. You might understand, you know, several things. But if there's a, a peace that resides within you, then that's a real big clue for me to help others say, I think this is a green light for you to do these things. Because I think that God leads us oftentimes into things that don't make sense through his peace when he doesn't give us that illumination beforehand.
1: I think I would be missing something big if I didn't ask this question but you know through the things that we've been facing through the previous year 2020 there can be great difficulty in finding employment how do you advise people who are saying look I'm I'm applying anywhere and everywhere and I just I can't you know I'm not at uh, liberty to make a choice <laughs> I need something so I can put food on the table
0: yeah and that to me is a honorable yeah, They're actually very honorable calling yeah. that yeah. they're saying yes to. We both know there's way too many people, men and mm-hmm. women, who abandon that foundational call mm-hmm. to, to support the family that, that right. they have created. And so I think that's I, – honestly, I think it's wonderful to put food on the table, to do what you have to do, that kind of language. Yeah. It's great. And this is clearly in this season – and I'm not trying to make light of anything because it is right. a tragic and real moment. But it gets to the point that I would make so many times with the, with the kids that I would meet with is I would make them write down what they think their calling is, what they think their purpose is, and again, on my whiteboard. And then I would give them a, a different colored marker, and I'd make them write a lot. All right, I'd say, now mark everything out with this marker that has anything to do with a specific vocation. And because a lot of times it was I'm called to preach in the United Methodist Church, and did it, you know, like, right? <laughs> I'm going to be that's a doctor right. at Cedar Sinai. That's exactly right. Right. <laughs> right. right. So I was like, you have to mark out everything that has to do with vocation, and we'll see what's left. And a lot of times there, were, there wasn't much left. And I mm-hmm. would challenge them to say that that hey, vocation is those. That's part of the season. They're going. They you know, let's just play Devil's Advocate. What if what if you lose your job? what if your company gets bought out and they eliminate that job? What if uh, you retire? You did that job. Now, what if you retire? You know, what if a pandemic comes and, and eliminates your entire industry? Did you lose your calling because of, of a pandemic? Or is this going to look different now in a different platform or a different stage? And so I would always encourage them to try to determine what their calling is. To understand it from a principle-based standpoint, so that then it could be a- applied in any vocation that they do, but it's not dependent upon a vocation for them to feel like they have a purpose. Yeah,
1: and if you think about it, I mean, you think of all the the personality tests that people take, and um, y- you know, there's a point where focusing on our own gifting can become obsessive, narcissistic. Mm-hmm self-focused instead of God-focused, and there's even this sort of entitlement uh, mentality that can reign in. Uh, How do you kind of push against that?
0: Yeah, the Bible is very clear that, uh, and again, it, it, it oftentimes uses the language of gifts. In the Bible, gifts are given to be given away. Right. Every time. You receive them to then be the steward of that gift because it still remains a gift and therefore because it's a gift, it needs to be given away. So um I would I would tell them, you know, encourage them to, to know this. I say, just please focus on this. This that we are at our best and we are our most fulfilled when we are giving our best away to others. That's when we're at our best. And so hey, you've got these gifts, these talents, these passions, that's great. If you're using them for yourself, you will see the law of this of diminishing returns Mm. first the first time you do it you'll feel great about yourself the tenth time you do it you'll become bored and you'll have have to go fulfill some other part of some selfish desire that you have but you never experience the law of diminishing returns when you're giving yourself away when you're giving your best away Mm. to others and um so that's man it's such an easy trap to fall into So i'm i'm not i'm Talking from an ivory tower here at all <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> but it's just something that that we have to be reminded of uh, yeah. over and over and over again that mm-hmm. we're at our best when we're giving our best away to others yeah
1: what do you think are greatest hindrances to obeying God's
0: call on our lives fear fear mm-hmm. of getting it wrong um, fear of what God will do if we if we did get it wrong, which like I get in the sense of none of us want to, to do what God doesn't want us to do. Like I don't want, I don't either. But if we were just to pull back and think about God and who he is, we would, we would, <laughs> we realize pretty quickly that, um, God isn't caught off guard by our swings and misses. I mean, humanity had, right. had the biggest swing and miss when it came to sin. Yeah. Uh, and he found a way to give us redemption. And so. Uh, if he can do that with the world's brokenness, uh, I think that he can handle our discovery process, swings and misses, when we're coming to our calling. But there's a clearly fear of punishment and fear of getting it wrong. I Honestly, I think for so many of us, we're just conditioned with being able to make an informed decision that uh, always is backed by data and always backed by opinion and is always backed by Amazon reviews. that. Um, we get very unnerved when we have to trust in a decision that we make. And God is kind enough because he knows what's best for us to never eliminate trust in this discovery process of our calling. Because when we trust him, we have to get near him and have to stay near him. And that's best for us. And so you know, I think that really circles us back to that idea of in Proverbs, where it says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and the glory of kings to search it out. In that searching, we have to trust God. In that searching, we're going to find God, and that's what's best for us. So he, mm-hmm. it's not hide and seek for His own selfish gain as much as it is. It's hide and seek so that He actually positions us to where we're made to be in the first place.
1: Well, Clay Kirkland, anything else uh, off the top of your head that you, you'd love to share or um, bring to our attention? or
0: Oh, man, I just, again, thank you for this option. If people are a resource people, I'd, I'd definitely encourage them towards the call by Os Guinness. Uh, or, or more recent book would be uh, Garden City by John Mark Comer. He talks a lot about our calling in the first third of that book. Um, but for all of us, again, it, the Bible teaches us that eyes that See and ears that hear. God created both of them. And so it's really seeking for eyes that can see and ears that can hear because I think we're all on a continual journey of discovering the different things that God has called us for or called us to and to not think that we're out of the game because we've messed up, but also to not think that we're out of the game because we've heard one thing that God's far too creative and and far too good to just stop there. So.
1: Right. Well, Clay Kirkland, we're, we're so grateful. I do ask uh, if you do one more thing for us, and that is if you would close us out in prayer. Absolutely. It would be my honor.
0: Father, we thank you so much that you're better than we even think. And we thank you, God, that in your infinite wisdom and just in your goodness, you've chosen to create us for these good works. And um, it's, wow, what an honor and Honestly, what are, we want to do that well. And so, God, I pray for everyone who's listening or who will listen, just for the grace upon their lives to be able to hear, see, discern, know what you're doing in their season of life. I pray, Father, that those who are frustrated uh, would just break through. And, Lord, I pray for those who are fearful that they would be broken free from that. Lord, I pray for those who are confused, that there um, would be wisdom and knowledge and understanding released for them. And ultimately, Lord, I pray that as we delight in you and you delight in us, God, that we would just put on display your love, and your peace, and your grace uh, to a world who desperately needs it. And uh, we trust that you'll do all that and more just because you're that good. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.
1: Clay Kirkland, thank you for joining us again on Candid Conversations to discuss work, vocation, and calling.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Pleasure. God bless. Thank you.
1: Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.